Hey guys, welcome back to Chaotic But Good. I am so freaking excited to be here today. I am with Doug Colson, who was my dad's best friend, definitely for sure. Um, we've known each other for... Uh, close to your whole life. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I was uh, thinking about it and I don't have a conscience memory without you. Like, you've just always been there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how old were you in 1996? So we can one year old, one year old. (laughs) Like, no, that's crazy. Um, So, yeah, one of my earliest memories with you actually is when you got engaged. Yes. And I walked up to your house and I said, I'm going to be your flower girl. And I got in a lot of trouble. But then you (laughs) asked me. So it ended up working out like perfectly. Yes, and, it, you know, you fit that role perfect. You did a great job. Oh, it was I mean, very we still cute. have, we've got all the pictures and that kind of stuff. I remember we, all the merch that you guys put out for that, too. Like, Or there was a T-shirt specifically where oh, it was yes, like, yeah, you eating a hot dog. Correct. And Jennifer, yeah. no, it was real funny. Yeah, that was your dad. Your dad uh, produced the T-shirts for uh, our on-air bachelor party that we had. For Y'all the, had an the radio show that we did together. Yeah, your dad went all out. You know, you know how your dad was when it came to things like that. I mean, he loved putting on, you know, a big spectacles and that kind of stuff. And um, I am everything. I am the exact opposite when it comes to that. Well, I think that's but, what worked so well with you guys uh, is how opposite you were. Yeah, I think it did. I, you know, I, like I said, when I, I moved here in 1996, um, you know, met your dad. We worked together at the TV station. We were both Seahawks fans, which was rare. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were both life, but you know, he's obviously, dad was nine years older than me, but, uh, you know, I, I was a Seahawk fan from the age of like 11 and, you know, your dad was a Seahawk fan since their inception in 1976. I came along, it was like 81, 82. I started, uh, becoming a fan. So like I said, we bonded over that initially. Is but, that you know, how the friendship kind of started? Yeah, that's how, that's how it started. Cause I mean, it was rare. I mean, you you wouldn't find a Seahawk fan find. somewhere else. You know what I mean? So, you know, I moved here. I knew one person when I moved here. Uh, I had one friend when I moved here. So, you know, it, it was a natural, you know, friendship. I was like, you know, it was almost like disbelief. It was, you know, it was like, you're a Seahawk fan? You're a Seahawk fan? You know, and then, like I said, you know, we, we just, it went from there and that kind of stuff. Well, so. and that alone is a, a green flag within itself, being a Seahawk fan. I was hanging out with somebody the other day, and they mentioned that they liked the logo. And I was like, you're a good person. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, like, go Hawks, go Hawks. Yeah. But I'm not, you know, it was so weird, Daddy having three girls, because none of us cared about sports. Yeah. Like, none of us at all. We just supported from the sidelines. I, I think that's uh, that's kind of if you work in sports, I think that comes with the territory. I mean, I have one daughter, so I mean, it, it's kind of you know you don't. Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know. I, I think God does funny things at times like that. I think he, you know, has a sense of humor when it comes to that. Yeah. It's like you know, you're not going to get the. You know, I, some people do. I don't know, but I didn't. <laughs> but you I wasn't, didn't at all. I wasn't lucky enough. But she does. She tries. So my daughter tries with sports and that kind of stuff. I never she tries even tried. to watch and pay attention no. and that kind well, of stuff. Well, that's sweet so, of her. Yeah. And then my God complex. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Mm-hmm. So your daughter's name is Margaret. Correct. And um, my middle name is Margaret. Right. And I want you to know that when she was born, I thought she was named after me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought that I was important enough for all that. But, yeah, so... I'm not going to lie to you. It, it was my grandmother, but you know, but that's Damn okay. It, Doug. That's like, okay. You know, if you go keep going on believing what you believe. So look, I it worked for me when I was yeah. however old. Well, she's a freaking freshman. She is a freshman, freshman yeah. in college yep. this yes. year, which is yep. wild. But yeah, so and I didn't really even explain. So you and Daddy had a radio show that you did together for how many years? Right. Oh gosh, I always have trouble doing this and figuring out. What was what? I'll, I'll just let's just say fifteen years. We fifteen did. years. We did Mississippi sports this morning together. It, it was between, I'd say it's between twelve and fifteen. I can't remember. I've done it longer. I did it before. You know, uh, uh, your dad came on the show with me. I was doing oh. it with another host, and then uh, that host left, and your dad was working at another radio station, and they decided they asked. They said, you know, do you think uh, he'd be a good fit? You, you know, were. over here to do the show. And I said, yeah, it'd be great. You know, we're friends, this and that. And then we got on the air together, and then we started fighting all the time. Uh, Did you really? The, oh, yeah. We, we used to get into it. And, you know, people used to think, like, oh, you're putting on an act. 
And y'all were literally arguing. I was like, no, we were pretty much fighting and that kind of stuff. But we always were able to, you know, patch things up and put it back together and that kind of stuff. Y'all had. It was so, I think it's so crazy that you guys were such good friends. And do you think that your friendship was so strong because y'all were together all the time? Like working the crazy hours. Yeah. Because you also worked at WLBT with them as well. That was was the first place we worked together. And like I said, we bonded over being Seahawks fans. We found out that we couldn't watch Seahawks games together. We, We watched games together for a long time. And I ended up angering your dad one day when we were watching a game. They lost, and we we both processed losses differently. And, like, it got to a point where we just did not watch games together. We watched maybe a handful of games together after that. But we were, <laughs> I mean, like, that doesn't mean we weren't any less friends. We weren't, you know. You just but we couldn't just do that together. We just did not watch games you together. You set a healthy after. boundary with yeah, one another. Yeah, we, we did. It was, it was really uh, interesting from that regard. But, I mean, we would – you know, I, I mean, a day didn't go by. I mean, if 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 I didn't talk to your dad every single day, I talked to him at least five, six days a week. And, and when we stopped doing the radio show together, you know, like people would always ask me all the time. They were like, you know, well, you know, do you see, see Chuck? Do you talk to Chuck? And I'm like, yeah, every day, you know, I mean, we yeah, still like, talk to each friend. other. I think I annoyed him more than anything else, calling him every day. No, he I would re- sit on the phone and listen to me rant and rave about I remember things, so. y'all like calling and talking I always remember him texting you during games as well yes. or like after games yeah we would talk we would a lot of times we talk before the game halftime and then after the game That's so, so sweet. Yeah, do you guys but, say best friends like did y'all I mean um is yeah that, like, yeah would I you think, consider y'all besties because I've put that everywhere like yeah, was that no, one of your closest uh, friends definitely one of my closest friends and you know like I said I mean you know I moved here uh, 1996, sight unseen. Like I said, I knew one person. Um, your dad was the first friend I made, like first friend I made on my own. So, you know, I was kind of in a whole new environment and a whole new, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, like I said, we became friends, became fast friends, became, you know, great and close friends and that kind of stuff. And like I said, you know, we laugh, you know, cuss each other out, argue, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But we always, you know, uh, we were always very close, had that close bond, that kind of stuff. I wasn't there when you were born. I was there when your your two sisters were born, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, your dad was in in our wedding. You were in our wedding. So, you know, like I said, yeah, just always extremely close. What is, like, so with all the shenanigans, I'm sure mm-hmm. that he made you do some crazy stuff. And I'm sure because of the different roles that y'all did at WLBT there wasn't as much room for that but what are some of your favorite radio shenanigans that happened or shit that he did to you well yeah I I think the the one that probably he pulled off I think better than anyone and I didn't think it was going to work I didn't think he had this idea for for uh, April Fool's Day that he was going to you know like make up that we had changed the format of the show, like that I had gotten fired, that <laughs> they had changed, you know, the sports format that we were to this format that was called Love 62, and it was it was easy listening. And he literally had me play easy listening music for a, a half hour, and he talked in the, you know, easy listening voice, and he did the whole thing. And, you know, <laughs> he, he carried this on for about, it, it carried on for almost the first hour of the show. How many angry calls? And, oh, we were getting calls. I mean, people were calling. They were trying to get the number to the, they were so mad that they had changed the format of the show and this and that. And like I said, when this was his idea, I was kind of like, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is going to, you know, I was the wet blanket on the whole thing. And he was just like, you know, shut up and do this. This is going to work. And he pulled it off perfectly, and it was, it was you know, one of the best stunts he pulled. He loved doing, like, gags like that or bits. You know what I mean? Like He's a big, I, big guy. I fell off the back steps one time. I used to go out and read the paper in the morning on the back steps, and I tripped going down up the steps, down the steps, whatever. Almost killed myself out there right before the show started. <laughs> he did this whole reenactment um, on the air. We did some – we did – I mean, there were so many different funny – because, like, even with sports in the morning and doing a morning sports show, God. you have to do, like, sports and you have to do a little entertainment in there also. You know what I mean? You can't be 100% serious um, all the time. But, yeah, no, there were there were so many um, 
you know, things that we, we pulled and, and did and that kind of stuff and different, um, you know, it's like I said, they'll come flooding back, um, all over the place, but it was, we, we had a blast doing that show. I mean, it was, it was so much fun. I mean, I, I talked about when I got married, the, the bachelor party that he threw. How did um, that work for, on the radio? <laughs> it, it, it worked. I mean, he got several different interviews, like people that, I mean, he got people from all over the country, like, you know, that, that, uh, you know, I mean, you got John Clayton, who was a, a big Seahawks reporter. He got, you know, I mean, different stuff. He had one of the the establishments downtown bring dancers into the studio. I mean, Stop. I mean, they, they did. Really? They went all out. You couldn't do it today. I mean, you, you could not get away everybody, with it. And then. let me say this. Everybody stayed clothed in studio. But I'm just saying, like, it was, I mean, they put on this full production i mean it was the craziest three-hour radio show we ever did do you know if there was like are there recordings of those anywhere i have um i i have an audio cassette recording of it that's how long ago it was obviously but i if i could put my hand on that tape i'm not sure if i could i could probably find it i would somewhere but it, it would be uh it would be fun to go back and listen to now and then you know i mean we did other stuff too i mean we did serious stuff um you know, I mean, everybody used to talk about the conversations that we could have about, you know, serious topics. I mean, you know, like racial issues with sports. We could always have really, really good topics on that stuff and be able to have, you know, like, I mean, we would have people arguing, that kind of stuff, whatever. But we were always able to keep it at a, um, you know, at a professional level. And it, it always, um, you know, it was a different time. I mean, we weren't as polarized, I think, as a society as we are now. But, uh, you know, we were always able to have like a, uh, you know, a, a, a conversation and we could always, like people used to tell us that all the time. They were like, you guys were able to, you know, have a show and have a conversation and we could all, you know, bring our different points to it, but we could all, you know, walk away and respect each other and be friends and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, your dad and I were on the air when 9-11 happened. You know, and that was a, you know, just a absolute, you know, uh, crazy experience. And it it, it was so funny. And I've had people just throughout the years, you know, that come up to me and talk about that, who were listening that morning. So you were like actually on the radio show that morning when it. Yeah, we were, you know, it was a regular Tuesday morning, you know, we were doing the show. How did that. I I mean, this is so long ago. We didn't have internet in our studio. Yeah. We didn't have a TV in our studio. Mm-hmm. We didn't, I literally for the first couple of minutes relied on, you know, callers. I, I had somebody call up and say, you know, Hey, a plane just hit the world trade center. And I was like, okay, I have to verify this before, you know, we can even go on the air with it. So, you know, we hit the break. I ran to the, the jock lounge, saw what was going on on TV, came back, you know, we did that. And, and like I said, your dad handled that like an absolute pro. And I always told him that. And it was funny. I mean, like he was super calm during the whole thing and he made the decision for us to go to, you know, the ABC news feed that we did have, uh, in the, in the thing. And he has no recollection of that, which is, is funny to me, you know, like we both had different, you know, everybody kind of like, See, you know, perceives has a things different, differently. Right. But, you know, I just remember him being super calm and handling that so well, and, you know, he doesn't remember any of the things that I remember from that morning, which was, it was, it was really interesting. But I mean, if, if I had a dollar for every time somebody comes up to me and remembers that, that show or, or afterwards, I mean, the weeks and weeks and weeks of shows that we did afterwards where it was like, it just, it didn't feel right to talk about sports, yeah. you know, and we just talked about everything and we just, you know, hashed it all out there on the air for three hours every single day. Did he use more, and again, like growing up with a parent that was kind of, and I don't want to, but y'all were local celebrities for the most part. Like you could go. I, I hate that term, but okay. But okay, well, you were very locally well-known enough so that a plumber came into our house one time and figured out whose house it was and freaked right. out and wanted a t-shirt. Like <laughs> it was, y'all were very well-known, and I don't think that as a child growing up in that, I recognized right. like all of that with that went with it but that being said like with that I feel like especially doing radio and tv you have more of a radio voice your voice doesn't change as much as Chuck's did did daddy's change a whole lot 
for the yeah. radio, like as much as it did for TV? I always say that I go with the, you know, face for radio, voice for newspaper. <laughs> so that's what I always try to say when it comes to me. But, uh, yeah, no, I, my voice, I, I, it's changed throughout the time, it, throughout time. But I think it's always been pretty, I mean, I, I grew up in the East Coast. I had a horrible, you know, like, and, and I grew up, like, in the middle of New York and Boston. Mm-hmm. So I had this really weird New York, Boston. And, and, like, when I was a kid, I was born in New York. So I, I, had a, I had a, I had a, you know, I lived there until I was, like, four. Had a very deep like new york accent when i was four i remember moving we moved to right outside of boston and i remember like kids making fun of me for my accent and the way i talked and that kind of stuff and then we would go back you know you're four years old you're impressionable i picked up like the boston accent and we would go back to new york to visit relatives and they would make fun of the way i talked and then i grew up i grew up in connecticut right between Boston and New York and just had this really mishmash, horrible, like just like an accent (laughs) that was all over the place. But I went to school in Missouri and thank God I did that because that, that kind of smoothed out my voice and accent. See, and I think you have a very interesting, like I couldn't really place your accent anywhere, but your voice is good. Your voice is good for radio. Good for podcasts. What, (laughs) what, um, why the hell did you come to Mississippi? Uh, that's a, that's a interesting question. I, I ended up, uh, I had a friend that was from here mm-hmm. that I worked with in Missouri. And, uh, after I graduated school, I was going to, I didn't really want to stay in Missouri, but I had a job opportunity there, but you know, my grandmother was sick and my mom needed help taking care of her. So I just, I wanted to go home anyway, but I, I went home to help my mom take care of my grandmother. And, you know, after two years, I, I was hopeful that I could find a job in broadcasting, you know, at home. That was my, my hope and wish and desire. Um, it didn't happen. I mean, I worked a bunch of odd jobs. I worked at uh, a, a rental company, which was the worst job I ever had. I worked at uh, a pizza place uh, for a while. And, and like I said, that was just, you know, like kind of a placeholder type job obviously um but i i kept in touch with this friend and this friend worked in broadcasting and that kind of stuff so um i was going to move back to kansas city my sister was living there at the time and i said uh you know i just was talking to him and he was like hey look i just bought a house um you know i just moved back to mississippi i just bought a house he's like you can come live with me rent free i know you can get a job in broadcasting down here He's like, if you come down, you don't like it. He's like, you can leave, no hard feelings. He's like, you know, he's like, you want to stay for a couple of months and, you know, you decide it's not for you and you want to pack up and move to Kansas City, I, it's fine. He's like, I'm just offering it to you. And I just basically took a leap of faith. I was like, you know, what the heck? I mean, you know, I, I was I was basically not doing what I wanted to do for two years. I was like, what's a couple more months and maybe I can get a job you know, uh, there. So, you know, I came here, I moved, I think I was here like two, three weeks. I got hired at, uh, channel three and the, the rest is history. So they say, well, I, I initially planned on staying here about maybe two years was my goal. I was like, let me stay here two years and move on. Yeah. Well that, you know, two years has turned into 27. So <laughs> do you like being in right. the South? Like, I do. Yeah, I really do. To... Yeah. It's, um, you know, I wouldn't go back now. I, I, I am a, uh, I would say I'm a, a Southerner now. A lot of people would, would argue that I'm not. I mean, it's kind of a thing that comes up on the radio from time to time. And it's, it's the way people like, they like to needle me about it. You know what Uh, I mean? And I get, I get kind of mad about it. You know, they start talking about, you know, beautify the South, put a Yankee on a bus, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh. And I'm, and I, I just get kind of, you know, I'm like, I'm like, look, I chose to live here. You know, I get, I get real angry about I it. Belong. I belong. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm going to die here. I'll be buried here. You know, so that's kind of the way it goes. What got you into broadcasting? Like, what was your. Um, well, I, I don't really know. I, I went to college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to sit behind a desk. I knew I didn't want to like hell. I did not want to, you know, just push papers or just have an office job or just, you know, I wanted to do something different. And that's how I kind of, you know, I was like, okay, well, broadcasting's different and you're working with your hands and you're doing stuff and you have to, 
think on the fly and do stuff like that. So I, I wanted to, I initially wanted to really be a photog is what I wanted to do in the business. And I, you know, that never really materialized. And I ended up, uh, you know, uh, getting more into the directing side of it. So I, uh, have directed the news for a long time so i didn't know that either yeah. i just always knew you were in that little back room at wlbt pressing buttons i yeah. had no yeah. idea what you were doing whatsoever Horrifying. yeah your dad used to make fun of me for that all the time for that know. little back yeah. office used that to, was something yeah else. that little dark cubby hole cubby. that i was in yeah but at least they moved y'all yes they did they they gave us some light so that's good you know your dad used to always kid me about you know just being a a button pusher he used to say that you know I just sat <laughs> well, there, not me make re- it the repeatedly <laughs> push the same button you know he, he referred to me as like a you know like a monkey he have a tire <laughs> back there. He used to kid me about that but yeah how so. the sports have you always been like a sports guy has that always, always been, been yeah a sports fan my dad was a huge sports fan and just you know grew you up with it and that favorite kind of sport? stuff is it football or yeah football's that? my favorite sport but i love all sports and all competition and that kind of stuff. But yeah, football's clearly Are you competitive? I am not. That's, That's yeah, interesting. it's really weird. I am uh I am like not competitive to I, I I'm competitive to it on certain things. I mean I I'm not like this complete. But like when it came to sports and playing sports, I was, you know, it was like, okay, I knew my limitations. Let's put it to you that way. And that's probably one of the reasons why I love um, sports so much because I wasn't very good at playing them. <laughs> so I, I, I had, like, the ultimate respect for people that did play sports. And I think that's what, you know, drew me to uh, talking about sports and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, we had a, a local sports show, and this was way before – you know, um, you know, you had a whole sports radio thing and it became an yeah. industry and there were stations and that kind of stuff. You know, it'd be like one hour, maybe two hours on a on a news station they would dedicate to sports. And, you know, our local guy was called, his name was Arnold Dean. And, uh, I mean, I remember my dad taking me to see him do like a, they had like a dinner where he came and spoke at a dinner and stuff. And I, I, I remember that. I mean, it must have been about like maybe – seven or eight years old and it, it stuck with me it made an impression and I used to listen to him and that kind of stuff but I I didn't you know I, I kind of fell back into the the radio thing I kind of fell into backwards I was just looking for some extra, extra money, money. Yeah. and that kind of stuff that's how that happened but daddy said that he had kind of gotten into it uh part of it when because of course his career changed and ended up working for Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency right. and loved it like was such a big cause that was so close to his heart but I asked him why he got into like sports journalism and one of the reasons that he said which was surprising was like a little bit of external validation that he had like low self-esteem and wanted other people to like him do you think that that like do you does that have anything to do with the reason that you do it or does it help or no I I Got into it more, like I said, I was looking for extra money, but I, I, I loved it as an outlet. Like to me, it was, I'm, I, well, I'm very opinionated. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> really? people, people watching this are like, oh, if they know me, they're like, okay. And I love to argue. Like I, I love to argue and debate and that kind of stuff. I, it, it's funny. I, I was, this was several years ago but i mean long after i'd been doing radio and that kind of stuff i had jury duty and um you know and i knew i liked to argue and debate and that kind of stuff and uh i that like most people were like jury duty oh horrible you know this and that and i was like that to a certain extent and then you know you start hearing the evidence and you get into what they're talking about and you're listening and all that and when they put us in the room the jury room and they closed and locked the door with the with the bailiff outside and i was sitting there and i'm like i'm in this room with 11 other people and we're gonna debate this and we're gonna we're gonna figure this i said you're i said i am i am like you know with the first thing we did was we took a vote right you know we, Mm -hmm. we took the vote of who was what? And I think we were pretty split. I want to say it was, uh, I mean, I don't want to get into the aspects yeah, of the trial yeah. or whatever, but we were, you know, it, I want to say it was either six and six or it was like, you know, maybe eight and four or whatever. And I was just, I was sitting there going, Oh, this is, this is what I was made to do. Like I'm, 
I'm going to make all these people, you know, we're going to, we're going to go <laughs> through this whole, we're going to hash this whole thing out. Be on my side. I'm going to turn every single one of these people that are on the other side. Did you? And we did. Hey, so go, go Doug. Can yeah. I get a, hey, Danny, can you do like a yay button? If Danny you is one? so bored with my <laughs> stories right now. He Danny's is, like. He's like, oh, my gosh, would this guy just shut <laughs> up? <laughs> he's been rolling off. He hasn't, I haven't even let you talk. I've been just rambling. The whole time. But, but no, I, I was literally, I was just like, I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing. I'm locked in a room with 11 other people, and they can't get out until we come to a decision. And I get to sit here and try to convince them to my, you know what I mean? And people, like, I know so many people that, that like, don't like to debate and don't like to argue. My wife is one of them. Um, but I, I just, I, I love debate and I argument. Like and, that, and that's why I, that's why I love the, the radio. The, I love trying to convince people that, you're right. that I'm right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is more than anything else. I'm sure it, like, feeds your ego a little bit when they agree with you. I, I felt pretty good walking out of the, the jury room. <laughs> when they unlocked the door and let everybody out, I think they were climbing the walls like, oh, my God, get me away from this guy. That is correct. Um, okay, so I do want to circle back to the Seahawks for just a second. Yeah, go ahead. Jim. This is uh, two things. Why are you a Seahawks fan? Like, how did that happen? You were so young. Were you just like, oh, cool colors? Yeah. Or like, Well, I, that was certainly part of it. My dad was a huge Giants fan, mm. and I used to have to grow up watching the Giants with uh-huh. him. And... I didn't like the Giants. They were terrible. They were boring at the time. They were uh, they weren't fun to watch. And I had to watch them every single week with him. And you know, so we we would get the Giants games, we would get the Patriots games, and we would get the Jets games. None of them were good. None of them were interesting. <laughs> None of them were. And I I was like, ugh, this is terrible. And I, you know, the Seahawks would always be in the late window, and it, you know, occasionally we would get a Seahawk game on. But I, I just watched a game one day, and they were they were kind of interesting. Back then, they weren't very good, but Have they, they ever. Been, I'm gonna keep my mouth. Yeah, no, they, they had they had a run, but like you know, they were an expansion team in the '70s. But I mean, you know, early '80s, they started to come around. They had a nice run in the '80s. They were terrible in the '90s, and then you know they've been really good since you know the last 14, 15 years. They've really been one of the I better think teams. People in might the argue with you on that. Uh, it, it could happen. Look, but but no. <laughs> So, so basically they, they did a lot of, they weren't very good. So they had to run a lot of like trick plays, you know, fake punts and field goals. And they did stuff like that. And I thought that was fun and interesting. So I was like, that's my team. That's, that's my who team. I'm latching on. To. Do you know why so. Chuck was a, I know, but do you I, know how the story. I know the story. Yes. He, yeah. he was, he got to cover um, the first preseason game with, um, they came in the same year as Tampa Bay oh. and he, he was, he watched that game and said, whoever wins that game is who is he was the winner. Do you know why it was between those two teams that or like why he decided that game was so important? They were both left-handed quarterbacks. Oh, see, I did not know that part. So, of it. I know yeah. your dad was a big left-handed. Freak. His lefty. No, it was, it was. Well, and did you know that we're all left? I'm sure you knew. Yeah, I, yeah, and I used to make fun of him about being left-handed, and, uh, and so well, that was know. his like personality trait was starting Mississippi lefties. And I remember sure. when he was sick in the hospital, he lost the function in his left arm. I guess right, would be the best way right. to put it. And he was not even that mad that he didn't have the arm. It was mm-hmm. more the fact that it was his left hand that he couldn't use anymore. And he, but no, he him being left-handed was such a weird. I don't know, a like quirk that he really enjoyed telling yeah. everybody, and then having three girls that were left-handed. He was like, "We're all lefties," and I it don't know why pretty, that was. That's pretty wild. It is. I feel like uh, somebody one time looked up like the odds of that happening, yeah. and it's very, very small. But now your mom's not left-handed, right? No, she's, she's not. Okay. She's not. She tears it up, or like she ruins the whole thing. Uh, so we- yeah, but no. So let's talk. If you don't mind, can we get into, like, daddy being sick and all that kind of stuff? So, I remember the day that he got sick. So, I have gotten this horrible death hug anxiety. Like, when you leave me, I'm going to give you a hug. Right. But I remember we were sitting at the house, and he was like, I'm going to... 
I was like, all right, I love you, bye. And he said, don't hug me. He said, I think I have COVID, and you're going to see Peyton, who's my best friend, and right. he's a little immunocompromised. So, And I was like, okay, bye. And then he got so sick the next day, and it was so... It was just fucking wild. Yeah. Like, there was no other... Do you remember, like, well, getting that phone call or yeah, what happened? The, the the crazy part about it, it's weird that we're doing a podcast right now, because your dad and I were doing a podcast yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would do... We were, you know, once a week, we'd do this. It was just an audio podcast that we did, but it, it was fun. We were having fun doing it and that kind of stuff. And I, I think I liked it more than your dad did, to be honest with you. Or it was, it was more of a nuisance for him than it was for me. And, you know, we would have to schedule a time to put time together to do it. And, you know, we needed to do the podcast. And he was, you know, he he was, I, we were trying to do it. We scheduled the time to do it. And he said, hey, I'm not feeling good. You know, I'm going to try to, you know, let's reschedule. So I was like, okay. So, you know, we tried to reschedule it again. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm still not feeling well, you know, like this and that. And, you know, I was kind of getting a little annoyed. I think it was maybe the third time we rescheduled it or whatever. And I was kind of like, all right, give me an hour. Like, let's just, like, you're let's fine. just knock <laughs> this out. You know, like, let's do the thing. He's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm having this, you know, he said he was having this pain that was like coming up his neck and into his head yeah. and that kind of stuff. He said it felt like a like an electrical shock or whatever. And, you know, I was like, well, that's weird, you know. And, and like I said, and then, you know, your mom called me the next day and was like, hey, you know, Get up we're, we're in the, we're, you know, in the emergency room and this and that. And, you know, like it's, this is bad and that kind of stuff. And I, I was just in shock basically at that point. Cause I mean, you know, like I said, that whole week we were, you know, talking and everything was normal and we were just trying to schedule this. Everything was fine. You know, and I was kind of like, you know, and I felt bad cause I was kind of like, you know, suck it up buttercup, you know, like let's, get let's get this ass. thing. Get right. Let's, here. let's get this podcast done. We need, you know, one hour to do this podcast. Let's go. Did you but, come you know. up there that, okay. So the first day, I think he was at Baptist first right. and then right. he was actually, I don't know if you know this, but he was DOA on the way to St. Dominic, which is yeah. dead on a ride. Right. Like they didn't expect right. him to, but I remember it was just such a law. It was so that whole thing was so exhausting, and I yeah. can't imagine. Well, I mean, 27 months, um, that whole process, right? I mean, the whole from when he first got sick to him so, passing. I mean, you know, I, I, like the twists and turns that that took over. I, I can't even imagine, like, your mom could write a book that would be, you know, a so, thousand pages on it. Oh, that. yeah, because it was such a long, but I remember, like, cause did you, and I don't remember, um, but... Did you come, you did say that you came to the hospital that day, that we thought that it was when he was at St. D. Did you come Yeah, I don't think I did, because, uh, like, you know, they had all those hospital restrictions going on. Oh, we, Regina got and, the whole family in there, or, like, yeah. brought the extended family, and he was out of it, and he came to at one point, and he went, I think I'm on the wrong side of this. <laughs> like, he goes, I don't think this is, which was such, like goes for his sense of humor as right, well just right. being like what the hell's going on right. but um yeah so then he went to umc right umc put a certain amount of money into him and they were like sorry we can't do anything else right. and regina said absolutely not and got she knows everybody like right. everybody in the entire world and got the private plane down to md anderson right. and that's kind of when the whole everything started with the stem cell transplant and getting all that started how was my father during that time when you guys were talking and hanging out, he, you know, like, and I know he was going through all kinds of, you know, I mean, all the different stuff he was going through and all the, the issues he was going through. I can always tell, you know, cause we talked on the phone all the time. I could always tell when, when he was taking a turn for the worst, cause I could hear it in his voice, you know what I mean? And yeah. he would be saying like, Hey, I'm doing fine. This and that. And I could just tell like his voice, it, it almost like, it's going to sound weird, but his voice would get grovelly or gravelly. And like, I was just always, I, every time it did that, I was like, eh, it doesn't sound right. And then, you know, I, I'd hear from your mom that, you know, he, he's taken a different turn this time. And this, this problem has happened or that problem has happened. And, you know, um, so yeah, it was, I, we always, like kept our conversations, you know, they were, they were always about the stuff we always talked about, you, you know what I mean? And focus I, I, I didn't, yeah. And I, I felt like, you know, with all the stuff he was dealing with, I felt he needed, you know, just to be able to talk about everyday stuff and talk yeah. about different stuff and not talk about, 
you know, what was it? So, I mean, like we talked about what was going on, but like, that was almost like a, a small, such a small portion of our conversation because our conversations would be about sports and everything else and, you know, families and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't, we didn't, you know, harp on health issues and that kind of stuff. And your dad, you know, my wife, Jennifer went through a very serious health issue right before, uh, your dad did. And he always, you know, was asking asking about her her and how she was doing such a good heart. He was always so concerned about everybody else. What, um, so with the fact, and this was just for me, I always said that I had literally had my first spiritual moment. I like was not, I had stepped away from religion. I was like, forget right. the church, forget God, all that. And I remember sitting outside the first day he got sick and I had like a voice come over me, which sounds insane, but it was, he's going to be okay. Yeah. And I took with that and I ran with it. Cause I, yeah. I never, that wasn't my anxieties talking, but I remember all the times like, how exhausting it was to get the phone call like he's dying like he kept dying and then coming back to what were your emotions during those times well yeah i mean you know it it was always um you know i i mean you know is he taking a turn for the worse is he you know where where we at you know i i remember the day your mom called me and said you know you know come to houston yeah, that was um it was that was dumb. It was real dumb. No, no, it was Well, it was no, not. it was it, it was, was it was beautiful and awesome and I think it's so cool that you were one of the people that were cuz it was really you and Rudy and there were other people that yeah. came too, but yeah. you were one of the big ones that was and um I guess I'll be transparent like there was a period of time that I wasn't speaking to them because we were going through family stuff which was so well, it was really hard and something that, yeah. like, I struggle with afterwards is right. the grief of that, but also right. knowing that that was the best decision for us at the time. But I remember when it got real bad, which I guess was October of last year. Right. So, and I didn't even say why we're together. His birthday was yesterday, and right. that that was one of the reasons I just, you were the one person that I wanted, yeah. like, full circle moment. But um, going down there and seeing him was... I don't. I I was talking to a friend who had a brother that passed away, mm-hmm. and she talked about how she was so grateful that it was so quick. Yeah. And I completely disagree. I think that I'm really grateful that I had, because yeah. you got to have all these conversations that you wouldn't have had. Do, yeah. Were there any conversations that you had with him that like really stuck out as it was coming to an end? I guess. Yeah, we had. Um you know, I, I mean, we had some different heart to hearts. I mean, you know, he asked me to, to speak at his, you know, memorial and that kind of stuff. And that, that was, uh, that was, and I'm not just saying that this was a conversation, you know what I mean? To have, and it was, it was kind of funny because I'm like, your dad knew how much I hated public speaking. Like, I mean, you know, I can talk on the radio all day long. I can get on TV and talk. We can do this podcast and I can talk, but to stand up in front of people like your dad knew I hated that. And I was like, he's doing this to me on purpose. He's getting me one last time. Like (laughs) he is, he is, he is doing this to, to set me, you know, like he's, he's getting me one last time. And, you know, I was kidding about it with him, you know, that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, I mean, I did speak at his memorial. And one of the hardest things I've ever done. Oh, it was um, and I'm not just saying this, like you were my favorite speaker at his Oh, you funeral. were mine. Look. So I mean oh, you, look, you handled perfect. it uh, unbelievably. I, I to this day I'm in amazement of how you handled that and did that. I never could have done what you did that day and the way you did that and handled that. I mean, it was um it was amazing. Well, I mean, just you. absolutely amazing. And, you know, like, so we had, we had some conversations, some tough conversations like that. Um, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, when I went and saw him in Houston, I, I was, you know, I was expecting to walk in there and, you know, he was, but it was almost like he rallied for, or he got some strength or some from the people that came to see him oh. and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it was good. I mean, like he was sitting up and, you know, we had good conversations and that kind of stuff and, you know, spent a couple hours with him, but it was great to be able to, to, you know, see him and not just talk to him on the phone. Yeah, And, and, and I'm so glad that I was able to work that out and get down there. And, you know, I, I didn't, like I said, I had to, you know, let me, 
call work and, you know, get off of work and that kind of stuff. I was like, when, like I said, when your mom called, I said, give me a day to map this all out and figure it out. Figure and it out. Well, I'll, I'll be there. I you know what I mean? So it was, it was great to be able to, uh, get down there and, and see him well and it was know, so crazy point. to see his like life view changed a good bit like but also you know everybody has their issues in their marriage and everything like sure. that but it was crazy to see how my parents love had grown during that like it was weird to walk in and see the like it's the kind of love that you want sure. in life and it yep. was just absolutely crazy to see that but then to be able to have conversations with him about things like, two of the biggest things, just as his daughter, that I really mourned was the fact that he wasn't going to get to see me in a wedding dress. Right. And, like, that's something that I was always worried about. But also that, like, he would never get to be a grandfather. Right. And um, I remember telling him, I was like, if you see my little future kid's spirits, will you love on them? He was like, absolutely. That'll be one right. of the first things I do. And being able to have that conversation, like, if it had been something so quick and sudden, I wouldn't have been able to have that or like have the peace knowing that yeah. that's just well your 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 dad was a special person when it came to to that i mean you know like when i i remember when you know we had our daughter and i remember telling him when you know you know my wife was pregnant and that kind of stuff and i mean you know he he was so excited and and not excited you know and i i you know guess I wanted to be a dad. I wasn't sure. I was, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, you know, it's like, I'm like, all right, I'm 35. I guess it's about time that, you know, we have kids or whatever, you know, but I, I didn't know I wanted to be a dad until my daughter was born. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And like your dad was so excited for me because, you know, he had you guys and he was able to, you know, like he, he was like, this is going to be so great. It's going to be awesome. And he was, he wanted somebody else to feel what, what he, he felt. felt. His um, and it it was you know I, I'll never forget that. And you know it, it was funny after I I pulled the story at the at the uh, memorial. But you know I mean this is I'll never forget this. I mean you know we go back for the two day checkup after my daughter's born and my daughter's fine. She's one hundred percent healthy. Everything's great. And my wife was feeling bad. You know what I mean? She was like she couldn't understand why she was feeling bad. And they you know, they're like, okay, so they check her out. They're like, her blood pressure's sky high. She's got, and found out she had preeclampsia after pregnancy. You normally have it, I guess, during yeah. pregnancy or whatever. But, you know, they were like, she's going to the emergency room. The baby can't go to the emergency room. You're going home. You know what I mean? And, and like, this is back way before the times of, you know, like paternity leave or whatever. Okay. You know, I had like two days off from work, and it was like I was going back Go to work back. the next day. So, you know, I'm driving down Lakeland Drive with a with a two-day-old in the back that I had not changed a diaper. I hadn't fed. I'd held her. That was it. You know what I mean? And I was I was calling your dad to tell him, like, hey, I'm not going to be able to do the radio tomorrow. we got to figure this out. You know, that kind of stuff. And I'm driving down Lakeland Drive, and I'm literally having a panic attack. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm like, hyperventilating, hyperventilating. I'm trying to speak, and I'm trying to talk to him. And he was just like, calm down. You got this. You know, like, it's easy. You can't yeah. break them. You know, he's like, you're you're going to be okay. Fine. He's like, you know, and, and, like, that talk he gave me driving down Lakeland Drive with some of the, you know, best advice, that kind of stuff. And he get, completely he, mellowed me out from that regard. He always gave, that was a couple things that I really loved about my dad, was that he gave the best life advice, which is something that I like would kill for some right now, honestly, yeah. but he gave the best life advice. I think he was so sensitive and I tell people like he was emotionally intelligent and so sensitive, but I always say that he really showed me what the true definition of a man was. Like it wasn't like this rough and tough, like it was being there for your people. Yeah. And he was such a good, he was just so good at that and showing love and not being afraid. Like, his masculinity wasn't affected by his feelings, which yeah. is, I don't know, it's just crazy. And it's been, weird. it's almost been a year right. since he passed. And right. it's just, I don't know, I think I'm able to disassociate enough and be like, he's still in Houston. Like, he's right. just not here. Um, do you feel the same way at all? Uh, you know, no, that's been the hard part. Because, again, Y'all like like I said, you know, we talked all the time. We we talk, you know, five, six times a week 
Um, and I'm like, I mean, hours at a time, sometimes two, three times a day. Um, you know, we were, we spent, you know, a decade and a half where we saw each other more than we saw our own families, you know, because working two jobs together, um, you know, and spent that amount of time together. So that part of it's been, been hard for me. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, when that ends, it ends, you know what I mean? And, you know, like I said, if your dad got sicker and sicker, you know, our phone calls would be shorter and they wouldn't be as frequent and that kind of stuff. But we always, you know, up, up until even the end when he came home and, you know, I got to see him three times, you know, while he was home those couple of weeks. And, you know, we did get to watch for one final Seahawk game together. And, you know, even, you know, to the point where he was, you know, he was there, but he wasn't talking and he wasn't, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. And there. I was, I was, you know, your mom was there and she was resting and, uh, uh, you know, two of your mom's friends were there and I was there with another friend and, uh, you know, so we're sitting there kind of talking and, you know, they were saying, you know, he hears what you're saying and he, you know, I mean, but it was hard to understand him, that kind of stuff. And, you know, we were, we were sitting there and I started telling, I used to give him a hard time about, you know, your dad, if we went somewhere and, you know, you talk about being like a local celebrity and that kind of stuff. If, and you probably know this to a certain extent, especially with your mom's family being from the Delta and that kind of stuff. Like he was beloved in the Delta in his time that he spent up there on oh, TV yeah. and that kind of stuff. So if we would go somewhere and we would run into somebody that watched him at WABG or, you know, when he was up there and, you know, uh, uh, you know, they would fall all over themselves. I mean, they would be like, oh, my yeah. gosh, Chuck Stenson, you know, like I watched you, you know, Friday Night Lights and all that. You know, they would go crazy. And I, I started calling him the Delta legend off of that. <laughs> like I would – I gave him a hard time about it, and it used to drive him nuts. And so your mom's friends were there, and I'm telling the story about him being the Delta legend and all this other stuff. And your your dad mutters – he, he said that I was so full of shit <laughs> and, and it, it was, it was the, the last thing he ever said to me. And I, I thought it was the perfect thing for him to be the last thing that he ever said to me. And it came out and it was relatively clear. Everybody in the room heard it. Everybody understood what he said. And I was like, I was like, me? yeah, I said, this is the, the perfect, the perfect, you know, because what we gave each good. other such a hard time about stuff like that. And it, it really, um, yeah, I, I cherished the last words that the, he, he said, get them so. tattooed on you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Do you mind if I ask, um, and if it's okay with you, do you mind if I ask what you miss about him? Like, um, yeah, no, that's fine. I, you know, like I said, the, the companionship, the friendship, the, I, I knew, you know, there's. I think we're, if you're lucky in this life to have, you know, one, two, you know, I mean, some people have a lot of different friends and we all have, you know, there's friends at different levels. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, this is a good time, buddy. This is somebody I go out and have a beer with. This is somebody I go, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe we go to the movies or whatever, go grab lunch or whatever, or this is work friends, or this is, you know, we have those like compartmentalized friends. And if you're lucky in this world, you know what I mean? Maybe you have one, two truly close friends that you can say anything to, that you can talk to, that you can, that you know, like whatever you need, drop of a hat would, you know, would be there. All you got to do is pick up the phone, that kind of stuff. And, you know, your dad was one of those friends to me. So, uh -huh. you know, that's what I miss is the most. Him. Yeah, him just being there. Like he was so there for everybody yeah. that, and, anybody too even his sickness we were yeah okay just just making sure <laughs> no but even in his sickness like he was still so there for everybody going yeah. on like and I think that was so wild to see to see somebody like going to the hospital and seeing somebody doing so poorly and still pouring out so much kindness to the world around them yeah he you know and that was the thing when I would see him at the hospital you know I mean like it, it was you know, he, he knew all the, the doctors, all the nurses, all the people that came in Everybody. And, and knew everything about him. And, and they were genuinely happy to, you know, walk in the room. You know, I mean, you think about what, what 
I mean, it takes a special person to do what those people do and, you know, what they see every single day and that kind of stuff. And I, I just remember, you know, it was like the relationships that he had with the people that were at the hospital and that kind of stuff. I, I remember him telling me, uh, you know, it's funny. We talk about being on the phone and I work weird hours, right? Yeah. Your dad would call me sometimes at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we would talk. And I, I remember we were, we were sitting there and, and, you know, he's in the hospital and we're talking and it's, it's, you know, it's gotta be two thirty, three o'clock in the morning and some alarm starts going off at yeah. the hospital. <laughs> and he's sitting there going, he's going, I've never heard this alarm before. I don't know what this alarm is. Like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, maybe there's a fire. Maybe there's a, this, maybe there's, you know, he starts thinking like his mind is racing and he's telling me all about this. And I'm like, well, go check. And he's like, you know, maybe there's a, you know, maybe there's a, a, a mass shooting going on. Maybe there's a, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, well, go lock the door. And he's like, he's like, could you imagine like me going through all this and then something else happened Happening. to me? Like yeah. I get burned up in a fire. He's like, Regina will kill me. If that <laughs> happened. You know? And, and we sat there and we, you know, I, I know it's a morbid kind of thought, but we sat there and literally, I mean, we laughed and laughed and laughed for like, I mean, it, it, it might've been 20 minutes. We couldn't stop laughing over just the thought process of, him dying some other way. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? at that and, point, like, yeah. all the time and energy that had gone <laughs> right. into. But, exactly. no, his laugh was absolutely infectious. His Did he do as many, like, bad dad puns with you as he did with me? Or? It, yeah, I mean, you know, he, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I have to I have to give him, uh, I'll have to give him credit for that. Yes, he was, he was a dad through and through. I think it's the one thing you could say about oh, your dad. I mean, he was... He was like, if you look up dad in the dictionary, I think that's a pretty much him. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. He, Can I embarrass my daughters? Uh, Can I, yes. you know, come up with corny jokes left and right? Can I, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that that was. Did he that ever do that band. dumb dance where he would like do his arms around with he you? He did or a bunch just, of dumb dances all the time. I tried did. to ignore all of them. So uh, you know. just, yeah, just like one of my favorite pranks that he did was he got like a little Debbie and he told my mom to like have us come look at the window and pretend like she was like, come watch your daddy mow the lawn. And he picked up this, it was like a Swiss roll, and like ate it, and we thought it was dog shit. And I lost it. No, but he, I actually found a, um, I found a journal that I gave him, and it just had writing prompts in it. And I asked Mama after he died, I was like, is that journal somewhere? Because I know that he like kind of filled it out, but not a whole lot. And um, one of the questions in there was, if you could win an award, what would it be? And he said, best dad or most improved dad would be awesome. Yeah. And so, like, you got it. Like, you fucking did it. Like, yeah. you got that award for sure. I I don't think I realized until after he passed how blessed I was to have a dad that cared so much. Yeah. And, like... Well, I, I think, too, you look at it. I mean, you know, um, you know, I think you we do things when we're alive. You know what I mean? I think I'm a firm believer you do for people when they're alive. And you, and your dad would help anybody. I mean, he was that kind of, kind of person, but you know, I, I still think after your dad passed and the memorial service that, you know, you guys had for him was, was, uh, it's the best funeral. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but I mean, it was literally the most uplifting, you know, like uh, memorial service funeral. I think I've ever been to, um, you know, it, it was I mean, from from the stories that people told to, you know, just the way the whole thing was, it was, um, you know, just a, just an absolute thing. And for him to close it with that video was um, so and phenomenal. It, and it was it was so it was so Chuck. It was so your dad. Yeah. And, you know, I I gave your dad your dad told me about that video years ago. Yeah. And like, so told me about it years ago. And I begged him and begged him and begged him to let me see that video. And he he would not let me watch that video. And for me to see that video at his memorial service was absolutely perfect. And like I said, he, he literally, um, it it was, 
I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, the outpouring from people that were there, there and the people so that showed people up there. and the people that traveled there the way that they so did. so many people I mean, that, that says something. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. That really says something. And then also, just so, because they don't know what video we're talking about, my dad, for years, and this was before he got sick, he was like, my exit song, talk to you later. Like, right. that's it. And they found a video um, or he had a video of him lip singing to that in right. his twenties, and they played that as the exit. But no, I was so yeah, we closed our radio show with that song. Did you really? Yeah, forever. I didn't yeah, know we that. Closed, we closed the radio. That's show That's awesome. Forever. No, I didn't. Yeah, and I don't know if you know this. I actually wasn't asked to speak at the funeral. That was okay. not. I he didn't want me to. He didn't. And I had to fight for that. But I fought for it because the one thing that I learned how to do for my dad was how to write. Yeah. That was, he was a phenomenal writer, yeah. but there was such like, and I don't know if you feel the same way, such a pressure to be, it, it was such a pressure to say everything that you wanted to say in such a short yeah. period of time because there weren't enough words. Like I could, I could sit here by myself and talk for four hours about that man and all the stories that he did. Was there like a lot of pressure for you? Like, did you do it? At, did you prepare after he died or before he died? No, I did it. I, you know, that's a good question. I did. I'm pretty sure I did it afterwards. I knew a couple of the stories in my head that I wanted to, you know, talk about and tell and speak on and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah. And I, I am a, I, I can kind of write, but I am a tortured writer. If that makes any sense. Like, I don't think anything I write is ever good enough. And it takes me a long time to really, write something but when i sat down to do that i mean it it literally flowed out i did it in like an hour and you know had everything that i wanted in there and that kind of stuff and you know i I think i ran it by my wife like once and she was like that's perfect and you know um i i felt good with it about that i was terrified to get up there in front of everybody i mean like just because i'm not a public speaker from that kind of stuff and i i, I wasn't sure i was going to be able to hold it together yeah, yeah. so well, you know well, and i i you know i had an issue when i looked down at you guys and i realized okay don't look at his family don't look a at a little us. advice to everybody out there if you ever have to do <laughs> a, a a like a eulogy at a at a uh service don't don't look at the family well, just look past them look don't the past yeah. the yeah. well i think why the reason that I appreciated yours so much is because you're not I love you tons you're not a super emotional guy and again I know you more on like you're my dad's best friend like we would never have a reason to have super emotional conversations but you could so feel the love that you had or that you have for my father and one of the craziest things about him passing is seeing how many more people loved him as much as I did. And like, I don't, I, I can't express my gratitude for you for being my dad's friend. I have done so well, but like (laughs) I, my little tissue box. And you know, that was the thing with me, with your, with your dad too, was it, it was, it was such a shock to me, even though, you know, what he went through and all the ups and downs with his sickness. And as long as he was sick for, and I, I still, to the end, I was like, he's going to pull out of this, you know? I and and too, I, I yeah. did it because like all the stuff I had been through with my family and the losses I had had in my family when, you know, I mean, I lost my dad at an early age. I lost my mom, you know, when we were doing the radio show together and your dad was great during that, you know, um, you know, lost my sister a couple years after that. And, you know, it, it was... You know, your dad was there through all that. And, you know, like, I would always have these conversations with your dad. And, you know, his parents lived to be, you know, up, up there yeah. in their, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> late 80s. And now his grandmother yeah. lived to, she was in her, Right, yeah. exactly. So I was like, I was looking at it always as, you know, Chuck's going to outlive me by, you know, like, That's what's like so weird. I always thought, like, okay, I'm going first. I know it because I know yeah. my family history and stuff you know my dad was dead at 58 my mom got sick at 59 and died at 69 you know my sister died at 48 you know what i mean i was like okay so i i would i've always kind of prepared myself like you know i don't know how long i'm gonna be around for you know what i mean like when you when you kind of go through that with your own family and like i said so then for 
you know, Chuck to get sick and what happened. I, I always just had this like feeling just because of, like I said, with his family, I was like, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to outlive me by years. Well, you and know that's what I mean? how we had even planned it at our house. Cause I mean, we had always with mama having her health issues and right. stuff. We were like, Oh, daddy's going to be the one that lives for forever. And it was just, I mean, life didn't work out that way yeah. and not like so grateful that my mom's here. And that's not what I'm saying right, by right, any means right. whatsoever. But it's crazy how life throws these curveballs yeah. that you don't expect. But there's so much, even in his passing, there's so many beautiful moments that yeah. have happened. Like, or afterwards, like, uh, he was very specific with his songs. He told me that he was either going to shit on my head as a bird, which I think is going to happen at some point. I think he's saving that. And then he comes as Lucky Pennies, and I find Lucky Pennies all the time. Yeah. And, like, just, but then even getting, like, this experience again is such a full circle moment for me and being able to talk to you about this is something that I wouldn't have had me starting a podcast partly because this is what he did me. I mean, it kind of spiraled me into getting sober. Like there's so many good things that have come out of this bad. And I just, it's just wild. It's just absolutely insane. I, um, I just really am so grateful that my dad had so many good people in his life and, especially you like he he loved you a whole lot well and i remember your dad saying some of the serious conversations we had when he was sick i remember him talking about saying that you know he didn't realize how loved he was he didn't realize how many people cared for him and and truly you know uh you know cared about his well-being and that kind of stuff until he went through you know, what he went through and that kind of stuff. And, you know, that always, that always kind of hit me too when we would have those conversations, you know? So, yeah, it it was, I mean, you know, special guy, special friend, special dad all the way around. And, you know, I, you know, like I said, far too young, uh, you know, but that's what they always say. I mean, maybe a higher power takes people when, when they've completed what they need to. Do you have any like life advice for people that are grieving, losing a best friend or anything like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's all grief is, and and like I said, you know, it was, it was interesting because you mentioned earlier about somebody saying that, you know, they had lost somebody quick and, you know, I went through that with my dad and, you know, my mom, was you know they gave my mom six weeks to live she lived another 17 months after the six weeks and that was you know it's each way is hard each way is difficult um there's no right way to grieve there's no and everybody grieves differently absolutely and i you know that was always my thing and one of my hang-ups was me and my sister were so different and we you know we grieve differently and you know i i held it against her for a long time you know the way she grieved and you know i mean like sometimes you just i mean like right now you know i mean you're not over you never completely get get over over it you learn how to deal with it and move on and that kind of stuff and like i said we've all done you know we all deal with it different ways and and that's That's you know like i said as long as the way you grieve isn't destructive to yourself or other people. I don't think there's a wrong way to grieve. And I think that's such an important message that people need to hear as well. Just like that. It's okay um, to grieve in different ways because it's been interesting seeing how we all grieve so differently. I, I think one of the best things that was said at my father's funeral, just about him was if you knew him, you were lucky enough. And I, I think for sure that we were both lucky enough. No doubt. I, um, I'm really, really grateful that you are here today. This is such well, a, thank you for asking me. Uh, I, I wasn't sure I really wanted to do this. I'm to be so grateful that I, I was I, like, I, he's going to say no. <laughs> I literally try to avoid, you know, I mean, like I said, I do, I try to avoid a lot of, you know, uh, things like this, but, but I, I mean, this is, it, it's to get, come here and talk to you and see you and that kind of stuff. It is therapeutic, and it's it's always great to talk about stuff. I'll probably feel great about this afterwards. I apologize if I rambled too long. No, I, know I got it was, off on it was exactly what it needed to tangents be. and that kind of stuff. No, but, I wanted to you know, talk to you and hear how you were and, and just get the opportunity to, like, kind of see the Chuck 
or the Doug that Chuck got to see. Yeah. The fact that you messed up our names is good. <laughs> people would people would do that all the time, and you know it was funny. I would answer to to Chuck, and I would you know he would answer to Doug, that kind of stuff. And you know I, I know we're wrapping this up, but it, it was always interesting that your dad would always say to me, you know, like if he would see somebody that you know the radio show or whatever that listened or whatever and they'd be like hey where's doug and he was like gosh they always ask me like where you are like you know oh like God, somehow I, I yeah like you <laughs> follow me around 24 hours a day you know and i was like well you know i don't i don't know i guess that's you know we do this show together i don't know but i i never really thought about it but he was like he was like jace they're always asking where you are and i was like i don't know where he is He's, you know <laughs> Somewhere, but yeah, it was it, it was interesting. We had that bond that way. Y'all were special. such a team. Y'all were yep. such, a, and I will say it again. I can't express my gratitude to you for being my dad's friend because well. I think that having you made a huge impact in his life. And I think again, we were both just lucky enough to know. Yeah, him. well, and that's the thing. I mean, he made a huge impact in my life. I mean, he he did more than me for me than I could ever you know, repay and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, from, uh, just advice and different things and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, and just being my friend and me in there. Yeah. I'm sure know, so. that he'd be real glad to know that you, um, that you've stepped up and showed up for this because I don't, this has yeah. just been an incredible experience and, I'm, we need to get together more often. Yeah, but, well, anytime um, you want to, you know, we can talk about different stuff. Yeah. You know, I can come back and do a no, podcast. Thank you for still being a part of my life. And Always. and thanks for being a part of this freaking chaos. But, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is it for Chaotic But Good this week. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you, Doug. Uh, anytime. <laughs>